0: is the way that our group functions, and it's a lot of fun that way. Uh, but, I, so I didn't mention earlier when I was up here doing the announcements and you guys were like, hey, wait a minute, where's Jared? Um, I think for most people in the church, you figured out that when I stand up here and I start talking, that, that means Jared's not here. Um, and Jared is not. Jared is on a much-needed vacation with his family, so he's having a blast right now. Um, he messaged us this morning, um, and to which I was poking fun back at him this morning, so that's always, that's always good. If you haven't noticed, uh, and if you're my friend, we poke at each other, so um, apparently I'm seeing a trend. Anyway. But uh, So I get a chance to enjoy an opportunity to come alongside Jared, come alongside my friend in a sermon series. I don't always get that opportunity. You know, um, uh, Jared, sometimes uh, as we preach, I am, I am a, a break from a little bit of the, uh, the regiment, and, and that's a pretty good spot for me. Uh, but now he kind of has asked me to step in as uh, in this sermon series talking about thanks and giving. But as we were talking throughout the week, he was actually uh, kind of joking because he realized he should have reversed it. He should have called it uh, giving and thanks. Because last week, Jared talked about giving and he talked about um, uh, the, the giving pathway and the way in which that mirrors our discipleship and mirrors where our heart is. And, and then this week I come in and I, I talk about thanks. It's funny because I was actually giving him a hard time. I, I said, you know, I'm actually a little bit disappointed that I don't get to talk about giving, which may seem weird. Um, you, you heard Jared said it last week, and, and you'll hear pastor say it, that, that you know, it's, it's kind of one of their least favorite subjects. Um, and as I was talking to him, and, and I told him I was kind of disappointed, and he kind of gave me that, that look that he tends to give me then. Um, he, I said I said, here's the deal, is y'all know me. I, I love the concept of transformation. I love the transformation that the gospel brings. And, and one of the things about talking about giving is that it is, it is so much talking about transformation. Because think about all of the ways that people perceive the concept of giving. See, we see Jesus in so many different ways, both in giving but in, in many of the religious aspects of the life. He turned everything Kind of on its head. He, he, he would affirm certain things, but he would affirm them in ways that maybe they weren't expecting. He would answer things in ways that, that people weren't expecting, revealing maybe the heart of the issue, revealing um, what is actually behind what they're talking about. And, and so it's always interesting that whenever we bump into something that maybe uh, we feel a little bit uncomfortable with within the religious setting today, I always, I always get excited because I'm like, how is it that, that Christ is using that aspect to maybe do the same thing in our lives? How is it that he is using that to reveal maybe what is behind the heart? What is, what is at the root of the issue? So I always view this so much as a, a transformative discussion more than anything else. Now, when we talk about that, we combine that with the concept of gratitude. Obviously, thanks and giving or giving and thanks, as maybe it should aptly be called. We have an opportunity to look at something else because because when you look at gratitude, there's an interesting thing that goes on with the word gratitude. In the New Testament alone, gratitude, thanks, or thanksgiving, some combination of the three, is used 229 times. 229 times in the New Testament alone. We're not even talking about the Old Testament. We're not talking about the Psalms. We're not talking about the prophets. We're only talking about the New Testament. Now, here's the deal. Some of that is a discussion, as we'll look at today in in Ephesians, um, is a discussion on the concept of thankfulness and the concept of gratitude. Some of it is just, they're they're examples. They're, They're examples of Jesus giving thanks before he does something. An example of Paul being grateful for a group of people doesn't mean that, that that reduces that 229 number to like, oh, well, we can actually see. Here's the deal. is Anytime that we look at something that is so present in Scripture, we realize there's something behind it. It's the reason why we talk on giving, because we talk about how much Jesus and Paul address the concept of giving in Scripture. The same thing happens in, in gratitude. How often we see the concept of gratitude and thanks being given in Scripture, and and. I think, it, I think the thing is, it's, it's a transformative aspect. Gratitude is literally a transformative aspect. So many of the things that we see, the instructions that we see in Scripture, are both a pathway to and a result of transformation. To think about that. It, it is, is that they, they are a pathway to transformation, that putting these things in, into our lives will move us towards transformation, but then as that transformation begins to happen, we see those things become a result of that transformation. Yes, it is absolutely cyclical, cyclical. Then we talk about a cyclical argument i mean it 's a nonsensical argument. But when we talk about a, a cyclical aspect of transformation, what happens is you think about it. even if, if you put if you, if you continue the concept of a circle and you think about that, that we go from uh, the aspect that, that it leads to transformation and it is a result of transformation, which leads to that aspect which leads to transformation, which is a result of what happens is we continue to see this thing that, that this ring that goes and goes and goes. And what happens is, the more that that ring continues, the more that it it impresses upon our hearts that this is an aspect of our life that is something that is so integral to our faith that we cannot practice our faith without practicing that which we were talking about today, being gratitude. So, as as we as we look at this, I want you to go to Colossians three. I didn't give you a lot of heads up, so I'll try and give you a couple of seconds. Colossians 3, you guys know I'm so bad about that. I'm not not telling you. That when we look at Colossians 3, we see Paul. Now, here's the deal. At the end of Colossians 3, 3.17, it will be the last one. We're going to go 3.15 to 17. In 17, this is going to be a verse that you're used to. This is going to be a verse that you see a a, a lot. Maybe you've seen it on T-shirts. You've seen it on Instagram posts. You've seen it on coffee cups. You've seen it on inscriptions on like a Bible cover. You've seen it in a lot of different places. But but pay attention to what shows up before. And I want you to pay attention to what shows up so often. So as is our custom, why don't we stand as we read God's word. Starting in verse 15, it says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, once again, we come to you and we thank you for this day. We thank you so much for the opportunity just to be here. We we, we thank you for the opportunity to be here and to worship, to be in this community. Lord, we ask that in this time that you would work on our hearts, you would work in our minds. Father, I I pray that the work that you would do is, is a work of your words and not mine. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. So you may or may not have realized this. Like I said, I never want to assume anything about what you believe, what you think. Uh, You may or may not have realized how integral the concept of gratitude was in this passage. I have have used Colossians 3.17 for a lot of different things. and, And I'm not entirely sure that I ever genuinely realized how much Paul weaved in the concept of gratitude with all of the things that he talks about here. In three verses, Paul talks three separate times about being grateful, about giving gratitude, giving thanks. And and, and it's interesting that when we start talking about gratitude as a transformative concept, gratitude changes everything that we are about, and it starts with changing our relationship to God. Gratitude changes everything that we are about, and it starts with changing our relationship to God. Let me ask you this. And you don't have to answer out loud. I'd prefer it if you didn't answer out loud. That would get weird. What are expectations that you have of God in the presence of the God of the universe? Let me rephrase it. What expectations do you have of God? And, and, and what do those look like as you bring those expectations to the God of the universe, to the God of everything, the God who created, the God who is uncreated, the God who is both past and present, the God who is in control of everything? What are your expectations that you have of God, the God of the universe? Now, we may not right now say, well, I, you know, I don't have any specific expectations. I don't have um, anything that I would say, oh, God, I need you to do this. Oh, God, you have to do this. Maybe we would fall in line with Scripture a little bit and we would talk about some of the things that God says that he is going to do. But what in the secrecy of your heart do you say, God, I expect this of you? God, I will give gratitude and I will give gratefulness As long as this happens, as long as this shows up, as long as you do this thing, you do that thing. Is your gratitude reserved for the times when your needs, as you see them, are met as you see fit and in a manner that you deem timely? That's a hard statement for me to make because I will say that I am probably the first and foremost of those that when something doesn't happen the way that I want, the time that I want, that I will stamp my feet and I will go, God, this is ridiculous. What do you think that you're doing? I will be like Job in the face of God claiming all of these things, saying, why aren't you doing this? With God patiently sitting and waiting and watching, knowing that his scope is greater than mine. Do me a favor, Psalm 95, I'm going to be in in Psalm 95 for about seven verses, so if you want to flip to Psalm 95, or it'll be on the screen, either way, Psalm 95 says this, starting in verse 1, "'Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord, let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation.'" Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is great, the, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. The psalmist comes before God, or it should be the psalmist talks about coming before God with thanksgiving. And what is the reason that he talks about coming before God with praise and thanksgiving? See, the reasons that we come before God have nothing to do with with the things that God is currently doing for us, have nothing to do with the things that God will provide as long as you follow these steps, as long as you enact what it is that he has called you to enact. The reason that the psalmist, and we see this all throughout the psalm, the reason the psalmist calls us to come before God with thanksgiving is simply because of who God is, we come before God because God is God. We come before God because he, he is the uncreated. He is the creator of the universe. We come before God because he controls the mountains and he controls the seas. See, the, 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 the closest thing that it talked about to something that he actually does for us is when he talks about that we are the people of his pasture, that he is our shepherd. And Yes, that involves what it is that he does, but... It doesn't speak specifically of the fact that he is providing this or that, and then I am grateful and I am thankful. You know, we talked about Philippians last week. Paul, or excuse me, Jared preached through Philippians and, and was talking in Philippians 4. And in, in the midst of that, we read in Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's actually a little bit of an interesting statement. It's an interesting statement because Paul is talking about, as, as Paul is going through this, uh, going through this section, and, and he says uh, that, that when you are in need, when there is something going on, that you should take your needs and your desires to God and ask God for these things with thanksgiving. What is not promised here, though? An answer. Now, we know we're going to get an answer. It may not be the answer that we want. It may not be the answer that we deem acceptable. But it says that that we are to come before him with thanksgiving in our asking. See, what Paul's talking about is that we are thankful simply because God hears us, simply because God is is with us and God is present. We see that whenever uh, Jesus goes to raise Lazarus, he prays and he says, God, I thank you that you have heard me. Jesus comes and thanks God that he has heard him, that he is there with him. And, and that is something that, that when we start talking about, are we thankful? Are we grateful to God? Are we able to be grateful to God in the midst of anything? <clears throat> in the midst of anything. <laughs> are, we, are we able to be grateful to God? I've got to calm down here a little bit. I'm getting worked up. Are we able to be grateful to God because he is God and because he is in our lives? Do we require something of God to be grateful to him? It's that expectation that I talked about. There's a, there's a quote, and it's interesting the, the way that this quote plays into the concept of community because I'm not entirely sure that the person, the, the, the approaches and the things that they think, um, the ways that they do things, I'm not entirely sure that I agree with everything, but I agree with their stance in Christ. And they say this, they say, um, expectations are Premeditated resentments. The more and more that I think about that, the more and more that I roll through that in my head, I say, what, what happens when someone doesn't meet an expectation? Um, I, there, there, was a, there was a book, um, a book that I read in, in, in college uh, that talked about the fact that uh, anger is most often caused by unmet expectations. What expectations do we place on God saying that I need this you as opposed to God, I come before you as the God of the universe. See, a, a changed relationship to God changes the way that we interact with him, but also changes the way that we interact with the world that around us. Whenever we change the way that we interact with God, it changes the way that we interact with the world around us. See, Paul very closely connects the concept of gratitude and peace with the people that are around us. We see that in Ephesians. We'll look at that in a minute. And we see that in Colossians. That he, he really closely connects gratitude to the peace with the people that are around us. He says this in Ephesians five nineteen and 20. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, as in Colossians, Paul talks about thankfulness to God, following and directly preceding instructions in the community first, and then in the home immediately following. We have that both in Ephesians and in Colossians. Community, thankfulness, home. Paul is tying the concept of gratitude to the areas that we are going to spend the most time with people. When we talk about community here, Paul's talking specifically about the church. He's talking about the way that we interact with each other. He's talking about the way that we deal with the people that are fellow believers, the way that we deal with people that are in the church. He talks so much about peace because, think about something. While we can disagree with each other, if we cannot get along in peace, how are we supposed to go and preach the peace of Christ when we in the body cannot experience peace ourselves? See, we talk about peace and we talk about the way that we interact with each other, the way we deal in gratitude and in forgiveness because this is first and foremost the best possible example of how we can show the interaction of Christ in our lives in the community. And so when Paul talks about gratitude, he talks about peace. See, why is it then that we can deal, whenever our our interaction with God is changed, because we are grateful to God simply because of who He is and because of the fact that He has interaction in our lives, why is it then that, that the way we deal with others is transformed as well? See, it's because when we remove the expectation of God and replace it with gratitude, we tend to do the same for the people that are around us. Because so often we expect the expectations that we have of God to be delivered by the people that we come in contact with. We expect each other to be the vehicle that God presents his expectation or the expectations that we have of him to us. Say, God, I expect this of you. And the people that are around us are the ones who have to deliver on that. See, God is is certainly going to use the people around you just as he uses you in their lives. But imagine what happens when all of a sudden you disconnect your expectations of other people from your own peace, happiness, and gratitude that you experience. You no longer have to do everything that I want you to do and act in the way that I want you to act peace will come not because you do what I want you to, but because I recognize the work of God in your life and your ability to do what it is that you choose to do. So whenever whenever I'm getting ready for a sermon, whenever I'm getting ready for a sermon, what I tend to do is I tend to bounce it off of several people. A lot of times I bounce it off of college students. I believe that's part of discipleship. They help me. They, They help me to understand. They help me to direct um, they help me to view things in a way that I wouldn't have viewed it before. I also think that it's a way that I can help them to grow as, as we discuss these things. And, and I was having this conversation with, uh, with a student this week, and, and, I, and in order to try and, and express what it was that I was thinking about, how gratitude changes the, the way we interact with the people around us, I used an example of, uh, of I-35. And it's fitting now that it's Thanksgiving week because, uh, you know, I-35 is, is largely just a, a parking garage now. Think about this, though. You're driving down I-35. It's three lanes. You see a sign a mile back that says, in one mile, right lane closed, okay? You, as a courteous, law-abiding, friendly person, what do you do? Merge over. Like, all right, it's going to be closed. I'm going to go ahead and get over here now, right? What is everyone else doing? They're in the right lane, driving all the way up to the cones, right? Now, here's the deal. Okay, do me a favor. Nobody send me, like, the, the rules of the road expectation. Because here's the thing. I know that actually, like, it's designed where it's like, oh, you drive all the way up to the cones, and then you zipper merge at the cones. Listen, listen, listen. That's lies spread by you-know-who, okay? Let's face it. I, I always, every time I, every time I use this, I get an email about what the proper way to do it is. Um, but, he, but here's the deal. It, 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 so, so you get over, and, and what happens is, is we've all been there before too, right? So you have people that drive all the way up to the cones, all the way up to where you're supposed to merge, and they get to like a dead stop, right? So nobody's still rolling. That's why we're all sitting here in a parking lot is because you decided you wanted to ro- roll right up on top of the cones, and now you've got to make like a 90-degree turn into traffic. And then, you know, okay, here's the deal. We've also been there where we're sitting there, and, and, and everybody who is, is driving, right, now, if you're already in the left lane, you're like, like six millimeters from the bumper in front of you, right? You're like, dude, I've been in this line for 25 minutes. You can wait your turn, all right? We've all been there. And so what happens is we pull forward. Well, well, so now think about this, okay? Let's say I'm sitting in, in that, that left lane. I, I'm watching this, and I go, you know what? We're never going to get anywhere <laughs> if, you know, we don't start this kindness thing. So I pull back, and I allow you to go in front of me, right? I allow you to go in front of me, Okay. So you're like, okay, you pull all the way up to the front. I let you go in front of me, and we're off and rolling again, right? But I want my wave. (laughs) If you don't give me my wave, you and I are not on speaking terms. But think about this. So now you have this where, 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 where the entire air of my car is completely changed because of gratitude. You go up there and you cut across in front of me and you wave at me. I say, okie-dokie. It's hilarious that, that this is the example that I use. It shows that because literally I had, I had to message the student that I was talking to. Literally, tw- like, like an hour later, as I'm driving across Temple, I'm at Adams, the you know, parking lot 2A around here, and I'm, at, I'm on Adams, and somebody does that. They cut out in front. There's cones, and then and nobody's letting them over. I let them over, and they go this way, and you know what? I didn't get my wave, <laughs> and I was not happy. And I, it was so funny that I was having this conversation because I experienced exactly what I was talking about. Gratitude changes the way that we interact with the people around us. Think about that, the gratitude that you experience in your car. Think about the gratitude that you experience when you hold the door open for someone. What does it do to you when you hold the door open for someone and they don't even make eye contact with you? They just keep on walking, right? We've all been there. Now think about what happens when you go out of your way to be grateful to the people that are around you. See, now what happens is when we apply this to the context of Scripture now, we no longer expect you to meet my needs because I expect God to use you to meet my needs now I am simply grateful for that which you have, excuse me, that which is going on in your life, for that, the ways in which God is working in your life. I'm grateful for the fact that I get to interact with you, that maybe I get to be the one that brings a little goodness into your life. Maybe I'm the one that gets to bring a smile to your life when you're having a bad day. See, the way that gratitude changes around us will shape our communities, will shape our churches, will shape our social groups. See, peace develops from gratitude because we don't have to be in opposition or in competition with the people around us. See, another way that, uh, uh, that peace is assaulted apart from gratitude in the community is that so often, now here's the deal, is I would hope, I would hope that after high school we have all moved away from this. I'm sure we have. No one in this room has ever held a grudge against someone else ever, ever, ever after high school, Right? See, we've never been in a situation where we actually derived a little bit of enjoyment from your misfortune. Nobody has ever done that, right? See, it could be a specific person, but maybe it could be a group. Maybe it could be someone with a different ideology than you. Maybe it could be someone with a different political stance than you. Maybe it could be someone who chooses to speak in ways that you wouldn't choose to speak. Someone who chooses to act upon ideas, thoughts, or emotions in something that you would usually sit back and withhold. Because, see, whenever I no longer act in gratitude, I expect you to behave in the exact same way that I would choose to behave in that moment. Think about the ways that gratitude changes those moments, the gratitude and the grace that we have, not just with God, but also with the people that are around us, and the ways that God uses that to impact. See, we, we say this all the time, that people, when you, are, when you are impacted and transformed by Christ, people will notice. People will desire to be around you because there is something different about you. See, these are the ways that this is practical. This, Like the transformation that we get from the gratitude that we experience living in the body of Christ, being under the headship of Christ, those are the things that people notice. They may not even realize what it is that they're noticing. But, but if somebody, every time you walk in the door... Of a, of a building, and there's somebody there, and, they, and, and, and however it happens, they're always standing there. They're always the person, right? You walk in the door of the building. Every time you make eye contact and you say thank you. Now, I understand at the moment, we're just talking about general courtesy, right? This isn't even anything spiritual, but the gratitude that you have in your heart for what God has placed in you is spreading to the people that are around you simply by making eye contact and saying thank you, right? See, those are the things that make us different, that make people want to go, hey, What is different about you? And you say, hey, you know what you should do? Why don't you come experience this community at Taylor's Valley and see what it is that is different? See a group of people that have love and care, kindness, gratitude, and courtesy in their hearts. And then we can start talking about the common denominator in all of that and why we all have that in our hearts. See, gratitude... As we read in Philippians, gratitude creates contentment, and contentment creates peace. See, now we move from the concept of the peace of the people around us to the peace that we have, that we experience with God, and we've come back full circle now to our relationship with the Father. See, in Philippians 4.12, we talked about, once again, we we, we circle back to what Jared talked about last week. In Philippians 4.12, Paul talks about the fact that he has learned to be content in all scenarios, whether in plenty, whether in want. Keeping in mind that the guy is writing this letter from a prison, right? See, then he goes on to talk about Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jared, very rightly, last week said it. He said, hey, this is not a verse about making sure that you have the ability to hit a curveball. I was chuckling because I couldn't hit a curveball either, um, this is not a verse about God giving you the ability to do something that brings you the most amount of success. This is the ability to endure when most everybody else would give up. See, and where is that from? Why does that show up? Why is it that, that we look at this and we say that, that whenever I can be content in what it is that God has given me, why does that bring me peace? It doesn't mean that we don't have ambitions. It doesn't mean that we don't want to continue to move forward. We want to continue to, to excel and to, to, to do amazing things if that's what God gives us to do. It doesn't mean that we just simply go, okay, I'm in Jesus now. I'm going to wallow in, in this thing that is my life. No, we are called to make everything around us greater and better for the kingdom because of the love that we have for God. And, and keep in mind I, that, that we have to temper that. That's one of those. That's one of those... Verses that gets clipped out and put on YouTube and people start, you know, saying that I'm I'm talking about you're going to win a million dollars because you're a follower of Jesus. Not what I'm saying at all. I haven't experienced it yet. See, what we see is that when we find contentment in Christ, when we find contentment in what it is that God has chosen to give us and what it is that he has called us to, uh, excuse me, called us to, then that contentment creates a peace within us that we don't have to continuously say, God, why me? God, why this? God, why that? Doesn't mean bad things don't happen. Doesn't mean pain doesn't happen. Doesn't mean that we're not unhappy when it happens. But it means that when it shows up, we know that the scope that we have has been taken from the microscope of our own life and moved back to a telescope that allows us to see. We may not be able to see everything that God has and everything that God is, but it allows us to see and removes that from only me, only my needs being met, only my little bubble being fulfilled. And it moves it back to seeing that God is not just the God of Kyle. God is the God of Taylor's Valley. God is the God of Belton and Temple, of Texas, of the entire world, of the past, of the present, and of the future. That we find contentment, not because all of my needs are met in the ways that I see fit, in the ways that I deem proper, and in a timeline that I think is correct, but we find contentment because we know that God, even though we may not have the final fulfillment of what it is that He has promised, He is continuing to work towards that because God has always proven throughout Scripture and throughout our lives to be more faithful than any factor, any force, and any person you have ever encountered in your entire life. And that, that is where the peace that we can experience in Christ, even in the midst of difficulties, comes in. So the band's gonna start coming back up now, and and I wanna wanna wrap up with one thing. Uh, The the Bible Project is is a tool that Jared and I use a lot. Uh, He uses it on Wednesday nights for his, his Bible studies often. It does a great job of explaining through their words, explaining through their videos, um, things in Scripture sometimes that are difficult. Uh, sometimes they just give us a great overview, whatever it may be. But one of the things I was looking at this week, and I, I couldn't figure out how much I wanted to use it in this or not, and, and, and God kind of whittled it down. One of the things that, that I was looking at is I was looking at Job. I was looking at Job specifically in terms of the way that God interacts with Job at the end of the book of Job. They say this. Job challenged God's justice and God responded that Job doesn't have sufficient knowledge about our complex universe to make such a claim. Job demanded a full explanation from God and what God asked Job for is trust in his wisdom and his character. So Job responds with humility and repentance. Do we trust God's character enough to be grateful for what he's doing even when we don't see it? for what he's doing even when we feel the pain of loss, the pain of sorrow, the struggle of finances. All of these things that that people often will say that they need this to be happy, they need this to be happy, and they need this to be happy. I don't remember what sports figure it was that said it, but when they asked him how much money is enough and he said just a little bit more, actually, no, I think that was Rockefeller. Never mind, he wasn't a sports guy. Um, It's okay. I attribute everything to Yogi Berra. You guys know me. Be said just a little bit more. See, with God, we have everything that we need even when we are lacking. Even when we feel want, we know that God is both the God of the present, the God of the future, and the God of everything that is happening. And we can rely on that and lean on that. Father, once again, we come to you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity just to be here and to worship you and to seek you. Father, we ask that in this time that you would guide our hearts. Father, that that, uh, the the gratitude that we seek, Father, that we would place that at your feet because of who you are, not because of what it is that we expect you to do. Lord, we love you and we thank you. I ask that you would work in our hearts, that you would work in our minds in this time in the response that that you have given us. Lord, we ask for your guidance We ask for your guidance in the pain of loss, as we've lost so many lately. We ask for your guidance in turmoil that we see as we go through discussions, as we drive down the street, as we pull up social media, the the turmoil and the pain. Father, we ask for the ability to be grateful to you, even in the midst of pain, grateful because of who you are and what you have for us. So in this time, I would ask that um, we're going to respond. The, the, the band is going to sing, and, and you respond however it is that you see fit. If it's standing and singing, amazing. If it's staying seated and praying, if it's grabbing a friend and going outside, whatever it may be, that, that the response is something between you and God, not necessarily something between you and Daryl or you and me. I'll be here at the front. We'll have other ministers as well as we stand and sing in response.